Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, where we bring you weekly conversations with purpose-driven leaders. Our focus is to share meaningful conversations with purpose-driven people having a big social impact in our community. Our mission is to enable you to listen, connect, and grow. You can learn more at humansofpurpose.com.au. I mean, goals have always played a huge role in my life, and you know, I'm really, I've really learned to myself that the journey of trying to achieve a goal is just what makes me happy. You know, whether or not I achieve it, and whether, and even the moment of achieving it isn't necessarily as exciting as just the journey. Those are the wise words of Max Hurtan, who is the founder and director of Megaphone Marketing, a social media and digital marketing consulting firm, as well as the founder of Max's Monthly Challenges and the soon-to-be-launched Slingshot Academy. Megaphone are an award-winning digital agency, but one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to Max was his fast-growing and supremely impressive YouTube channel, Max's Monthly Challenges. On this channel, each month, Max documents his journey where he attempts to get as good as possible at body sculpting, stand-up comedy, deep meditation, doing a backflip, salsa dancing, and more. His videos are between 8 and 15 minutes long and are just superbly produced, funny, and inspiring. He's fast closing in on 100,000 subscribers with less than 20 videos posted, which is just amazing. I liken him to a local version of Tim Ferriss. His mindset, beliefs, and habits are really interesting and have clearly crossed over to help his business succeed. So I think you'll learn a lot from Max here, and particularly how to have a more expansive mindset to challenge yourself regularly and to bring your community along that journey with you. A big shout out goes to McCartan, who became our first 2019 patron of the podcast, following up on our call last week in the newsletter and podcast, um, seeking support at that uh, one coffee or $4 per month level, recognizing the hard work that we put in to produce a great quality podcast for you. We've now put in um, 110 high quality podcasts or 110 hours of free content you to enjoy and it's about a day a week of my time so what i'm asking is that if you do get value from the podcast you do think it's important and you'd like to see me continue please um find it in your heart and wallet to shout me a coffee per month and that's at that four dollar mark and i'll recognize you on the podcast i'll pop you in the show notes and uh, also you'll get access to a couple of special benefits too like recognition and thank you via our podcast in each episode show notes and on our website a chance to submit questions and nominate key themes you want us to explore in patreon exclusive content access to our regular q a ask me anything podcast that will start next month which will be exclusive to patreon supporters and regular consultation about future themes and guests that you'd like to see on the show I am really excited about this new Ask Me Anything format that we'll be embarking upon for Patreon supporters. It's because I get a huge number of inquiries each week and coffee requests to tackle things like how to start a podcast, social impact measurement, how to work more for purpose, etc. I would love to attend all of these coffee meetings and spend time answering all these questions, but it would mean giving up things like the podcast, and I'm not willing to do that. But I am excited to tackle all of these questions in our monthly Ask Me Anything content. So if you do have things that you want to ask me, my best advice is to become a Patreon and you'll have access each month to probably about an hour of my time to answer any questions that are on your mind. It'll be just like you've uh, shouted me a coffee to deal with some of your more pressing questions, but far more efficient for both of us. And we'll also be able to share that with our community. So if you would like to be part of that, do head to patreon.com slash humans of purpose, or just click through the link I've popped in our show notes. And now I bring you Max. So Max, welcome to the pod, mate. Great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here. Good to tee this up recently. You've been doing some interesting things in your spare time and your very public life as well with your YouTube happenings. Yep. Uh, so we could start by just talking a bit about your journey into megaphone marketing, but also I want to talk about your YouTube channel and I want to talk about Slingshot Academy and a whole bunch of other things. Cool. Neuroenhancement, a whole bunch of things. Sounds good. So maybe take me to the beginning where it all started out for you. Cool. So um, I finished university. I was living a fairly traditional path of someone that just was following the rules of society and went to school, tried to do well at school, then went to university. I didn't do that well at university, but just kind of skated by. And then I was at my career fair. I was looking at all these different careers and options and nothing really inspired me. I was looking at, you know, I was trying to look into the eyes of the people that were there at the career fair, like the, the kids that were working. And then, looking for a bit of a mirror, like how excited yeah. are these people about yeah. the commerce student society? Exactly. Yeah. And I just was like, this isn't for me. I need, I need to do my own thing. Yeah. So I took a year off to become a musician. And then after that, I realized, 
I felt like I had a lot of potential to give to the world. I wanted to make a big impact. I wanted to live a a good life. And I thought, okay, it's time to really figure out how to make some money and, and do something for the world. Um, and I was running, I'm the kind of guy that just runs businesses always. So like in primary school, I was running a business, high school running a business. Were you the guy who was um, getting the individual warheads and, you know, inflating them to about a dollar, dollar fifty a pop and, you know. That type of thing. Yeah. I mean, like I was selling cartoons and comic books in primary school. I was selling like napkins and I had a newsletter. Napkins. That I, there's yeah. a napkins market. Napkins. Incredible. Uh, refresher towels. Um, and then university, I had uni party listings, listing every party and society event across Australia on man, a website. Man, so great way to get some cloud up as well in those early formative uni days. Totally. And a great way to just know where to party. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just always doing things. And so now I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I was still running uni party listings and that was basically making me no money. Even though we had a couple of sponsors, we had Red Bull and Futura as uh, sponsor, which was pretty cool for you know, cool. a 23 year old kid. The much love uh, future music festival. Yeah, exactly. Recent times. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I started another two businesses. One of them was Megaphone Marketing, mm-hmm. which was a social media agency. And I was born out of the fact that I had just done the social media marketing for a music festival and that had some success. And then there was this tech startup called Splash Crowd, which was basically Tinder for Facebook events. Um, very quickly realized that the lowest risk, highest uh, potential of success opportunity was Megaphone. Mm-hmm. So kind of really doubled down on that and started with just me, very modest, trying to get clients, had no idea what I was doing. I really took the idea that um, if I become absolutely amazing at Facebook advertising, which was really the thing that I focused on originally and then expanded into Google ads and SEO and other things. But if I just become you know, one of the best yeah. in Australia at Facebook advertising, then everything will work out. So I, I think I literally did about 60 or 70 courses. Every course that I could find online mm-hmm. had some mentors reading every blog um, and my clients started seeing really good results and started talking about me. Um, then I got into networking, started picking up a few more clients. Um, and it's just expanded from there. So it started with just me and then I had my first employee. And now about six years later, we're a team of 21 and we've won awards for being one of the fastest growing companies. Uh, we've had a Telstra business award. We've won a social media agency yeah, award. Yeah. New employee every month as well. Yeah. Just about. And so, um, if we continue at our growth rate, it'll be yeah at least an employee every month from now on, which is pretty crazy. Um, so n- all kinds of new challenges that have happened in that process. How does something like that happen? Like where all of a sudden it's just you and maybe a mate or your first hire, and then you know, is it by focusing single-mindedly on becoming great at one thing and making that kind of your point of strength that you mushroom out? Or I mean, I just think I'd be really curious to know what that feels yeah. like to grow at that rate and. Yeah. So I think like focus was a huge thing for me. So I got some mentors really early on. Like everything that I was reading was like, get mentors, get mentors. So I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to get a mentor. Yeah. And ended up getting six amazing mentors. Six I had, mentors? Yeah. That's a tribe of mentors. Yeah, it was a tribe of mentors. And I would, I would rotate every week or two. I would just see a different one. Yeah. So I wasn't hassling any individual too much. Oh, that's perfect. And um, yes, one of them is now like uh, one of the most successful tech founders in Australia. Um, I think his company is worth like $300 million. And Jeez. I reached out to him when it was just a startup, like yeah. with a few employees. But um, so really trying to learn from them. And, you know, a big takeaway was focus. Yep. Um, and also just doubling down on what's working. So, you know, customer acquisition is obviously really big for any business. Yep. And so understanding how we were acquiring our customers. Keeping customers wasn't too difficult. It became more difficult once it wasn't me managing every st- a client. So then I was trying to replicate what I knew to these other staff members. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, with each level of business, there was a new challenge. So hiring high quality staff was a really big challenge for our business because if we're hiring a new person every month, we need to get amazing people applying for our job uh, to work for us. So we needed to be an amazing company to work for. So, you know, a really big focus for Megaphone is to be the coolest place in Australia to work for. Mm-hmm. And so we try to do that with our video content and our social media feed and the way that we write our job ads and where we place them and the Facebook ads that we put for job listings. Yeah. And so now we kind of solve that. And then we just move to the next problem. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting because it looks like, you know, when you're small and you're maybe less than five people, culture isn't what it is when you're 20. 
True. Because, you know, you're having those conversations with the whole group constantly and they're all there around you. You know, you're all reflecting off each other. But when you're not maybe in a conversation with every person in that team all the time, um, I think there's an interesting transition that goes from being like the perpetual learner to the sometimes and then the everyday teacher. Yeah. Yeah, massively. So, yeah, with, with like five we didn't have a training process. It was just like, I'll look over your shoulder and make sure you're doing everything all right. Yeah. And I could kind of just see everyone's computer. And with 20, we've got, you know, we've got an online training program now for new staff. We've got a, a pot, like a training uh, structure where you have to tick off things and you get little mentor sessions. And yep. we really developed our training program. And, and that's something that we, we think we're really good at. We can take someone pretty fresh into marketing and turn them into like a gun marketer pretty quickly, but completely different strategy and something that you don't need to think about when you're at five, but these new things come up when you're at 20. Yeah. There's a couple of things that I love about what you're doing that I wanted to highlight because they're principles I try and live by a bit as well. First one's accountability and it's self-accountability and accountability now to the broader world, which is interesting and I'd love you to dive into. The second one is transparency, I think, which is probably tied to accountability. So you, when you set goals for yourself, and I know goal setting is a big focus for you now, you don't just keep that to yourself and like you know uh, hide it and then you can tell people whether you made the goal or not afterwards. Um, you put it out there for the world to see and then to also to see the journey to whether you hit those goals or not. Yeah. Talk to me about that and why is that important for you? Yeah, so... I mean, goals have always played a huge role in my life. And, you know, I'm really, I've really learned to myself that the journey of trying to achieve a goal is just what makes me happy, you know, whether or not I achieve it and whether, and even the moment of achieving it isn't necessarily as exciting as just the journey. And so, and I also feel like I've developed a framework that is quite valuable for other people. So with my YouTube channel, I'm quite public about my goals with my monthly challenges and then also this year I'm doing my yearly goals. So I've got my revenue goals, I've got my physical goals, I've got my spiritual goals, emotional goals, and I publicly stated them all. And there's definitely a huge element of accountability where um, I want to be successful for the people watching me because I want to be I want to be an inspiration for the people that go, whoa, like look how much that guy did in a year. Maybe I can challenge myself a little bit harder or maybe some of the goals that he's doing would actually be quite valuable in my life. So a lot of that um, publicly announcing the goals is more about trying to, I get inspired when I watch someone achieve something or set a goal that seems really difficult and then achieve it. And it makes me rethink my limits. And so I don't think that I'm pushing myself as hard as you know anyone in the world, but maybe there's someone that's a few steps before where I'm at right now mm-hmm. that can see where I'm at and go, whoa, like that will help me get to the next level. So that excites me. I think it's interesting concept as well because, you know, very few people are doing the type of stuff that you're doing here especially. And you might end up in some um, interesting conversations with people or members of the public who just want to talk to you about your goals and weigh in or help you or, you know, um, take avenues like that. You might have even had that already from your videos and the impact they've had on people who are watching. Yeah, definitely. So I think, yeah, the more publicly I've been announcing my goals, then I get a lot of people that reach out to me saying that they want to work with me for free. They want to be part of my journey because they're excited about where I'm going, Yeah, which is pretty cool. People buying into your goals is like hilarious and fascinating. Totally, totally. And it is like, it is, yeah, it is pretty crazy. Or with my monthly challenges, people, you know, amazing people saying, hey, I'd love to teach you X if yeah. you want. And, you know, like next month, I've got a guy that was the ex-Australian memory champion and he's flying down and we're meeting up and he's going to be teaching me how to do memorization tricks. Um, and so that, you know, these opportunities wouldn't exist if I wasn't publicly announcing my yeah. goals and being out there to connect to these amazing people. Um, yeah, so there's some pretty cool benefits of being public about your goals. And, you know, I, there's still new things coming up that you, you might not necessarily expect, but I've never seen anything negative. You know, I definitely think I had a fear around, well, if I'm public about my revenue goals and people think that I'm bragging or competitors will look into it and, you know, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what you think, but I definitely had a fear around it. And it's still something that I, I have. I think it's, um, brave more than it is anything else i mean it's uh you're taking the the maximum nothing to hide to a whole new level with what you're doing um you know a lot of people um don't even provide full information in their annual reports of what's already happened yeah so to to go and say this is what i expect to happen um and that's that's where you know the risk is for a lot of people and pride is um you know publicly setting expectations and then you know so much changes in, in in the world and in our space and in business that that's you know that's that's ballsy yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have an anxiety around it, but then one thing that I really try to do is 
like a huge thing for me is inter- acting with integrity. And to me, integrity means living in alignment with my professed values. And one of my professed values is transparency and openness. And so the more transparent I am and open I am with everything, then the happier and more aligned that I feel to like my core values. So with that being the case, is it easier then for you to embark on something like starting up Max's monthly challenges? Because you really just, um, you know, you seem like a curious dude. And yep. like not many people would just be like, hey, um, I'm going to see if I can do stand-up comedy like good stand-up comedians in a short amount of time, but show everyone all of it. Like, it's it's awesome. Like, if you're into docos and a very curious person like me, that stuff is the bomb. So how did you – is that part of that whole package? And talk a bit about why you sort of started doing that. Yeah, I think, you know, with that value in mind of being open and transparent, yeah. I think that definitely made it less of a jump in some sense, um, but still was a scary jump. But yeah, I had a really strong vision for why I wanted to start it. And so there's a lot of reasons. Um, a big one was I wanted to be creating inspirational content for like the younger me's of the world or the curious people of the world. It's content that I love to see because when I see someone do something amazing in 30 days mm-hmm. or even try really hard for 30 days, whether or not they succeed or, or, or not, I, I get a lot of inspiration and, and excitement out of it. I really enjoy watching people achieve goals. Like I love it. Love the underdog story in a documentary. Um, and then I'm curious to see what opportunities come from it. I want to connect to, you know, my favorite authors and my favorite content um, makers and influencers and have this as a way where I can help spread their message. Um, so do you do that now? Is that like, because I see you shout out various people in the videos that you do. Are you like um, being a successful content producer in your own right now? You've got 75,000 followers on YouTube. And you, I mean, I remember speaking to you, it felt like yesterday you were about 10,000 or less. Yeah. Um, you're crushing it. So does it make it easier for you to connect with people who might be perceived as higher profile? Yeah, I'd say I can now connect with the people around my level. Yeah. I'd say the next yeah. level is still like another level that I need yeah, to get yeah, to. Yeah. Um, but I have got to interview a couple of people that I really respect. So a, a guy called Sean Cannell, who's like really big in like the video influencer space. A guy called Noah Kagan, who's a podcaster that I've been listening to for like four years. Mm-hmm. He's been influential in like my business and marketing journey. Um, and so to get to chat to him, we ended up speaking for two hours and, and he said, if I'm ever in Austin, I should come say hey and eat tacos with him. And that so that's like a great offer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. Um, very specific. I like that. Yeah. It's he's he's very into tacos. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's something that, you know, money can't necessarily buy, you know, these, oh, these so conversations. And, um, Don't you think it's interesting though how like futile it is that, um, you have to hit a certain level before people accept you as part of that kind of, uh, entitled range that you're at a high enough level to engage in, you know, regular conversation with? Yes, but, but no at the same time, because like, not that I'm that big, but I now get people reaching out to me saying, Hey, can I, can you come on our podcast or can I interview for our blog or whatever? But I, at a certain point, you can't say yes to everyone. You definitely can't. And so you need to be conscious about, am I spending my time to spread the message that's important to me? And so if I, if I, if I've now got a million subscribers and now I'm reaching out to, you know, an influence I love, Aubrey Marcus, mm. he's like, oh, cool, I could sell a lot of books with Max's audience. I will actually come on his uh, thing. But if I've got 50,000, he's like, I get 50,000 people reaching out to yeah. me all the time. I don't so, have... So, so you're, what you, I think what you're saying is it's not futile for being futile. It's about an exchange of value. Um, exactly. And, and sort of seeing that, I mean, ideal world, we'd all love to talk to everyone. Exactly. The fact is limited time. People want to see like for like sort of, you know. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And, and on that though, one thing that I, so my challenge in January or December was hustling like Gary V for I just watched days. it. I said to Louise, we're going to have double vision if he walks in now. We were just watching it. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. And um, so the challenge was to research this social media influencer, Gary V, who's built a really successful business and look at the principles that he's used to build his successful business. And he gets up early and he goes to gym, but he's also just got an amazing work ethic. He's known for his work ethic, but also in his early days, he was known for just being ridiculously active on Twitter. And he says for the first four years, he would spend like four or five hours a day just typing in the hashtag wine and the hashtag whatever he was interested in and just adding to the conversation. And so he just was the most active guy on social media. And now he's got a combined following of like 17 million. Yeah. So it's not really an accident. And yes, he's, yes, he's charismatic and yes, his content's good, but he put in the work that no one was able to do. And so on that idea, during that month, I responded to every single comment that had been on my YouTube channel to date, which was maybe like 5,000 comments or Mm -hmm. something like that. And I actually realized in that process that someone has taken the time to watch my content and leave a message. 
And that is still a high value thing that I should be doing to drop them a comment. And I, and to this day also, if anyone DMs me on Instagram, I will respond with a video back. And so if they say, hey, I'm thinking about starting a marketing agency, where should I start? I'll give them like a five-minute video back. It's very clever. It's very uh, Tim Ferriss. He would do a similar thing like wrote email replies and whatnot. Yeah. 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 And, and I like connecting with someone. I like giving them a, a really good experience. And now that person, and I've got a couple of people now that they're like, I'm going to do everything to support your channel. Like, And so when I'm not that big yet, I love being as it connected, oh, man, you need to get amongst the people. Like, that's exactly. Like, whenever you see people have become really successful, what they do, they have these tribes of people who love them also because they engage and they're like, these are, and I think the dynamic is even more interesting when you have a, li- a mix of live and online. Yeah. So some of the best, best podcasters overseas, you know, they do these live shows or comedians who have podcasts. And totally. They have that mixed mode of like in person and online. They have this huge fan base online and then it turns out that they become who they're selling their tickets to to their live shows it's crazy yeah so yep. like it used to be that um you know you'd have to just find fans out of the ether but you know once you've got that cultivated community they will be people who support you in whatever you do next yeah massively and so yeah i just think before i'm you know i i plan to be a million subscribers one day and hopefully at that point, so many people are being inspired by the content that I can't respond to everyone. I just physically yeah. don't have time. So when I do, I want to take advantage of being small, you know, because I'm small, I'm nimble yeah. and I can take advantage of that. While well, I'm- I mean, I think what you're doing is very interesting. I think you've created something that is generally intriguing to watch. It's a very human experiment, uh, but it also seems to be affordable and you seem to have figured out a way to replicate it where... Um, it doesn't, it clearly doesn't take you for, it looks hard. Like I definitely couldn't do it, but you were able to learn how to do that and, um, keep on producing it so often. It's such a high quality. How did you, did you know how to do video production when you started out or? No. So, so the first challenge was, so it it all kind of just came to me at a flash, like a few weeks before I started where I was like, I have to, this is my calling. Like, yeah. this is exactly what I need to be doing right now. Yeah. And so I just, I couldn't sleep. I was so excited. Um, like, I'm like, I'm going to learn violin next month and make a video. And it's going to be this huge YouTube series. And um, so I'm learning violin and violin's not an easy instrument by any means. Yeah. I've spent 20, 30, 40 hours on trying to learn how to play a song on violin. But then at the same time, I'm learning how to film. I had I bought a camera. I learned what autofocus is. I learned how to like sound correct. And then I learned how to do video production. Yep. And so the first one I just did, all, in, in fact, the first eight, I did all on iMovie. Um, and I became pretty good at iMovie. Um, That's a fun little tool. It is a good tool. Like, yeah. it, you know, a lot of people just say, get started, like film with an iPhone, edit on iMovie, edit on the simplest software. Mm. And, I, and I totally believe that. Like if you watch my first video and you watch my last video, the sound quality, the the color grading, the you know the special effects or whatever it's it's a, it's changed massively. But you know, luckily, I'm in a fortunate enough position through Megaphone. Uh, we've got a videographer, and so he now does all the video editing. Yeah, they're, and he, they're seriously great. Yeah, and so he's he's an amazing video editor. Yeah, and we've we constantly are watching the channels that we really admire. So I mentioned to you earlier, Yes Theory. Yeah. Their editing and storytelling is just on another level. Like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't watch YouTube generally. Like, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, pe- pe- you, do you watch a lot of YouTube? Like, do you watch other stuff? I do as a, as a learner, yep. you know. Uh, I'm constantly trying to look at what's going viral and trying to understand what's... Virality. Yeah, emotion, noise. storytelling, yeah. video editing, things like that, yeah. yeah. Because I mean, I, I there are very few things I watch on YouTube, but I think the monthly challenges. Um, did you feel that there was something magical about that kind of fifteen minute mark? Yeah. So you know, in my head, I was a little bit nervous to go over like eight or nine minutes originally. I was yeah. like, it's too boring. No one's going to watch. Yeah. Um, but now we've really settled on like the thirteen to fifteen minutes. And if you do 13 to 15 minutes, then the average watch time, if it's like 40% or 30%, it's going to be like six, seven minutes. Um, that's kind of the number that we're shooting for. And if you get a six to seven minute average watch time, YouTube really cares about the amount of time people are spending on YouTube yep. as a platform. Yep. And so if you did an eight minute video with 50% or a 15 minute with 14 40%, 40%, then the net watch time is the thing that they really care about. Yeah. Useful metric. Yeah. And so we're conscious of what's working on YouTube. And so we'll, we'll only do 15 minutes if we have good 15 minutes. But like, so this month we're doing like me learning how to do a 360 flip on a skateboard. 
And so we're going to go into the history of how the trick was created and the physics behind the trick. And that will be something that's really interesting, is relevant to the content, and also pad out the piece of content so that we can get closer to 15 minutes and have more than just the story of me learning and falling over. Um, And so, yeah, I think that that's a really nice place for the type of content that I'm creating. But if you're doing like a how-to piece of content, you might want to do two minutes. So like everything's got its own unique thing. But yeah, I think that that's a really nice uh, place for the content that I'm creating, yeah. Yeah, because I, I found, I mean, I did a lot of experimenting with podcasts as well and felt like um, initially 20 to 30 minutes, they say, is that, you know, golden amount of time. But when you go deep with someone and you want to hear about their journey and their, their their goals, their life story and some insights and, you know, go go through a couple of rabbit holes and a bit of banter on the way, half an hour is just not enough. It's, it, it's like just enough time to make a connection and then it's over. So I've kind of milled around that 40 minute mark for a while pushed it out and now i found like just before an hour is seems to be the golden mark and i don't worry too much about you know people who who's listening to the end but i just want to create something that is high enough quality that you get a whole story yeah so you come away with something and you're like i've really learned about max you know i want to connect with max after hearing this yeah definitely you know i'm a big podcast listener and i noticed the guys that are doing 20 30 minutes it's like here's a story and where can i find out about you yeah and you, you don't get into the meat of the story. You yeah. don't get into the tactics. You don't get the takeaways. There's no texture. Yeah. And you've got this amazing person and you've, and they've introduced themselves and then it's ended. Yeah. And so when you can get deep, that's when, you know, that's what, like in, if you read a book, if you read the intro and the outro, all the, the, the meat of the book is in, in the middle chapters. Yeah. And like, you must find this constantly in your space, but the short attention span of markets now and people generally, um, you know, people are talking about, you know, uh, making a 10 minute podcast has become really, you know, a thing that people are trying. And I just think you, you've got to give it more time. I mean, yeah. you need, you need to make time and have the time to form a connection. And the other, um, you know, um, side of the spectrum is to see that the Rogan's going for three and a half hours yeah. and the Tim Ferriss now does about three hours yeah. and some of the longer conversational ones, but you come away, if you can give that amount of time, even over a few listening, listening periods, um, you really have spent some time with someone. Totally. You, you've like hung out with them for half a day. Totally. You know a bit about them and you know, you know how they relate. You know the, you know what they're thinking about, you know, their, um, dreams and aspirations, what they're nervous about, what, what their comfort zone is. That's a real personal insight. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that I've learned is like the rules of anything, like they can always be broken depending on the situation. So like with my content, I really like 15 minutes, but someone else could probably do an amazing two minute short story yeah. on the same thing. Yeah. And it would attract a different viewer and it would attract a different kind of market. Yeah. Someone else could drag it out to 40 minutes. And, you know, I probably hate that, but there would, there's a, there's an audience that wants to know everything and the yeah. deep down and, you know, and so, you know, every rule can be broken, but there's a sweet spot for you as the content creator that, that you get excited about and where you can, you know, I felt like I was rushing at eight minutes yeah. and 20 minutes. I feel like it's dragging on. So, well, you know, the zone, the golden zone where you do your best work and you yeah. stick to that. How much does YouTube tell you or the analytics tools tell you about who actually is watching the show? Who's your audience? Yeah. I mean, a lot. And, um, you know, we, we would say that typically it's like 18 to 30 year old men, from us uk australia canada germany are the, our major companies and then in, in india um and i'd say they often have an interest in entrepreneurship and learning and tim ferrest and, and those type of people although funnily enough my latest video is on minimalism and it's going as good as any video has ever gone for me it's eighty-five thousand views in 10 days and it's 90 percent female and so the YouTube algorithm will show it to people that have interest in other related videos. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, of my subscriber base, maybe 10 to 15% have watched that video, but the other 85% of, my, of the content that's been viewed is actually new viewers. So is there like, is that exciting? Cause there's a good chance they'll convert to subscribe as well. Yeah. And, and it has, so like, you know, right now our average daily subscriber rate is over 200 people. So we're getting 200 new subscribers a day with about 15,000 views a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's cool. That's, you know, 200 people that are joining my community. And, you know, I know my content's not for everyone, um, but people that are goal-driven, challenge-driven, you know, curious. That's who you want to be though. You want to be the guy who doesn't make content for everyone. You make it for, totally. you know, you make the content that you feel um, fun and you're the best version of yourself making. Totally. And whoever comes to the party, you know, it's, it's actually awesome that that many people care and connect with how you do things. Totally. And yeah, I mean, 
Exactly. And so you can see of those, you know, right now that video is getting like 10,000 views a day, which is blowing my mind. And, um, but of those 10,000 a day, there's yeah a few hundred people that are going, yeah, this is my, like, I'm really interested in this. And they're leaving comments saying, you know, I'm so glad I found you. I'm so inspired. And they're, they're starting, you can see those people have commented on like three or four videos. So they've gone down the rabbit hole of my content. And, you know, I look at those monthly challenges as to bring people in, but then I've got my other content where I talk about philosophy and happiness and business and things that maybe are a little bit more practical and tactical. Yep. Um, and it really excites me when people watch the entertaining kind of infotainment, I call it. There's, there's, there's takeaways, but it's also, also about the story more mm. than the content. But then they get into the other content, which is more about the takeaway and less about the story. Yeah. One thing I was on my mind to ask you is when you go through each challenge, you go very deep into acquiring a skill set and, you know, doing a performance at the end to see if you can hit your challenge. Like, cause you've done so many now and you have to talk, you know, you get to meet experts, you get to spend time with them and, um, what happens after the challenge? Like, do you stay very connected to each of the things that you did in the challenge and the people around that? Or does it sort of drift or case by case? It's a case by case. Um, there's a lot of stuff. Like if you've done 12 challenges, you know, you cannot be connected to like a fencing expert and then a comedian and yeah. a troop of violinists. Like it's- true. Yeah. So I've done, I'm right now I'm working on my 18th challenge. Um, and there's some things that I've adapted as a habit. So like meditation is now a habit. Um, bodybuilding is something that I've really got to deep dive and now that's a big habit. Um, and there's a lot of things that I can pick up way quicker than I would expect, like juggling with five. That's something that, you know, took me 19 days before I got my first flash, which is five throws, five catches. Mm-hmm. But now I can just flash five balls um, within a minute. Or, you know, and skateboarding, a lot of the skills that I, I learned, I, I might jump on a skateboard every three, four months. My Spanish, so I haven't really worked on my Spanish too much since. But if I bump into, you know, I'm out at a bar and it's like, oh, this, this person's Colombian, I'll be like, hola, um, que tal? And so we can have a little conversation in Spanish, which is pretty cool. So a lot of the things I'm usually so focused on the next challenge and every, and, and the, the hecticness of my life that I don't get to deep dive further. But that's kind of why I created a new series on my channel, which is called Project Unavoidable. And it's 13 videos outlining my yearly goals and then a monthly update to my yearly goals. So you can watch me do something all in like violin for a month but then maybe I won't, I'll leave it. But then on my yearly goals, I'll talk about things that I'm working as a longer term to really influence yeah. into my life. Cool. That, that makes total sense. Cause I was just thinking like, if the project was integration, then it's very hard to integrate all these, you know, divergent skill sets and into your busy life as a yeah. you know, an entrepreneur as well. But I suppose you would be able to differentiate, like, um, I'm doing the challenge at the moment on meditation. That's a life skill that I could actually really benefit from keeping in my life. So you know, you know that when you're doing it, is that sort of how you're thinking? Totally. And like, I get to deep dive into something and then see what I want to take away from it. And even if I, you know, with backflip, I haven't done a backflip since, but I still learned a lot about body awareness, gymnastics, your handstands, flexibility with stand-up comedy. I learned about performance, joke writing, joke structure. Um, and so even if there's nothing that I continually practice from that challenge to fully deep dive into something and then just come back to your own reality mm. you can have a fresh set of eyes from the lessons that you've learned have you had like a, any impulses to jump back up on the stage and do some comedy uh, so comedy was like a really brutal uh, month because to, to perform uh, five minutes you'd often have to like sign up and then just wait around for like four hours before you'd get to perform yeah. five minutes. Yep. So I'd get there at like 6 p.m. And then I'd like I, one night I got there at like 6.30. I performed at like 11.30. So I'm waiting around five and a half hours. And I was only allowed three minutes because there's so many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I get up there. First joke doesn't do that well. Second joke totally bombs. And so I'm just looking at this sea of like 40 people. I've just waited five and a half <laughs> minutes, five and a half hours for this three minutes. <laughs> And I've just got this blank faces, just like, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? It's a lot of passage though for, for those guys. They all talk about it. Totally. You got a bomb. Yeah. And that was my first bomb that, that moment. I was using the same jokes, but I just, I, I wasn't connecting to the material and I was, and I was being robotic and scripted. And so it was, a, it was a learning lesson, but it was just, you know, I missed a friend's birthday that night. That was a close friend. Cause I, I was like, I need to get in the practice. And it was just, it's terrible night. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so overall, I would do stand-up comedy again, definitely, but it's it's not on the it's, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. 
So you seem like a pretty self-aware and reflective guy. Do you think that's helped you a lot in getting better at skills? Because I think, you know, one of the secrets of um, getting better at anything is that incremental improvement. But you have to um, you have to be really honest and aware of um, what you're good at and what you're bad at and start to work on, in a really honest way, confront what you're bad at. Has that sort of played into how you've developed? Yeah, massively. I think, you know, there's a reflection in terms of like breaking down the skill. So like right now I'm learning a very technical thing with your feet doing a 360 flip. And so um, to break it down into micro patterns, like, okay, I'm just going to focus on the back foot. I'm just going to focus on the front foot. I'm going to watch it in slow motion. I want to watch a really, I want to watch an 11 year old do the trick to see, because an 11 year old doesn't have a lot of power in their legs. So I want to see what it looks like when it's done super efficiently and what does a perfect flip look like? Uh, and I want to look at my motion in slow motion and the coach's motion in slow motion. Um, so there's a lot of reflection on how do I actually want to break down the skill and how do I make sure that I'm keep progressing? Um, and then, yeah, with the reflection in myself, yeah, I think like I have the underlying belief that, um, more or less anyone is capable of doing anything, even though we have a tendencies to be better at certain things. So I might be really bad at one thing and, and pick up another thing really fast. At the end of the day, if I have the right strategies and tactics and coaching, I'll probably be able to get a baseline of anything. Um, and so. You know that's part of the fun of the the challenges as well. Like well, you're basically proving that um, you have a growth mindset, and you know you, you don't have a fixed belief in what you can or can't do, and uh, you're smashing barriers that you even you weren't sure you could uh, doing that. So that's very exciting. Yeah, totally. Like I think it, maybe that's one of the big things that I want people to take away. You know, I don't want people to look at me and go, "Wow, this guy's amazing at, and can do everything." It's like, "Wow, this guy." can do a lot of random things that are disconnected therefore i can probably do a lot of these things too he's you know he, he had no I, I have no reason to be good at a skateboard i'm tall i'm lanky um i don't have good feet coordination i really really like of anything like i really think i'm predispositioned to be poor at skateboarding but if you put in the time and you have the right framework about approaching it it's learnable. Well, is the lesson there that people should try new things all the time and try and, you know, build skills in areas they don't have because um, that's good practice or is it that you can do anything or is it both? You know, I think like with there's something to be said about um, getting deep in a few things. And so, you know, it's a personal preference. You know, some people a comment on my video saying, okay, like jack of every what is, what's the saying jack of all trades master of none yeah exactly people go cool you're, you're not good at anything you're just kind of competent at a lot of things oh, except for running a very successful social media agency yeah i mean good obviously <laughs> obviously i don't really take it to heart <laughs> but um you, you know i think you've got to do what serves you the best i i think a lot of people get a lot of value out of learning a new skill there's a lot of fun and excitement you know when people pick up a new hobby and they p- pass that learning curve of it being a bit tough and then break through to being able to flow and enjoy a new skill. There's so much enjoyment in that. And, you know, I do think that that's like a really fun aspect of life, you know, whether or not I think everyone has to be as curious as me, I don't think is, is necessarily important, but hopefully through this process of me doing things, you might go, Oh, well, minimalism isn't something that I really considered, but I can see the benefits of it. Uh, I never really thought about having a strong morning routine, but Max did it and he actually, he showed that it wasn't that hard. It was manageable and he got so much benefit out of it. And so that way you can start to stack on some of the different ideas from watching someone else try a lot of these different, um, you know, challenges. Well, let's break down some of the things you've done into uh, practical life enhancing action. What are a couple of the key things that you've taken away from challenges that, um, you know, you, you were evidence-based and actually worked for you that you now still do? So, I mean, the biggest ones would be meditation. So I do a five minutes, sorry, I do 10 to 15 minutes of meditation every day, just about. Um, in the morning or night? In the morning, yep. first thing in the morning. I'm using the Waking Up with Sam Harris meditation yep. app, which yep. is pretty cool. Um, so that's been great. Bodybuilding was a really big one for me. I'd been like struggling at the gym, going back and forth for years. And then to have a serious trainer and to have a proper program and to really understand what actually creates muscle growth. I'm now, you know, lifting more weight than I've ever had in my life and feeling really good in that kind of physicality. So that was a really big one. Morning routine is something that, although I haven't kept to the discipline and strictness, even though I had such an amazing month, um, I just found that it's just, you know, mentally challenging. 
Um, but I do like to have a bit of a morning routine where I'm meditating and then I might do a bit of stretching. I have a glass of water and maybe get some sunlight and, and move around and just do some things that really helps me set up for a really good day. So that one, um, minimalism is definitely something that I'm planning to keep. You know, I'm really enjoying, um, having less and, you know, I thought I was minimal until like I put, look at all my stuff and, and, and then you look at everything and you're like, oh, I'm actually gathered a lot of things like maybe i'm not as do that condo process of picking things up and say does this bring me joy and you know i did actually yeah Yeah. and i i think the marie condo book was quite influential on me because i never really thought about the psychology of the attachment that i have to items and i had like guilt around removing items from my life Mm -hmm. Uh, some items um and my mum gave it to me and i felt guilty thing if i get rid of this then mum would be upset and so therefore i need to keep it but to put her psychology on it and say, no, thank the item. Thank your mother for giving you the gift and it served its purpose. And now move it on to donating it or giving it away. Uh, it really helped with the psychology of that. So by touching an item, it helps you deal with the psychology of um, your attachment to that item. And then uh, it really helped me you know, just remove things that clearly weren't serving me in any way. And we we're just gathering dust, but now they might go to someone else that might enjoy them more and make money for charity as well. So so that's been meaningful for you, so meditation and Marie Kondoing or minimalism? Minimalism, massively, yeah. And are you applying minimalism to your life in the same way you are to possessions? Yeah, I actually am. Um, I, I'd say a lot of these things I was doing pre-challenge, although I just was a little bit more conscious of them during the challenge. Um, so if anyone that knows me, they'll know that I basically wear the same clothes every single day for a very long period of time. I wear black T-shirts and green pants or I wear grey T-shirts and black pants. That's like my two looks. Um, and <laughs> just keeps things really simple for me. For the um, record, he's gone with a black top and green pants today. Yeah. Um, I eat the same food every day, and I've been what eating. Do you, what do you eat? That, that um, I want to know because you, you're looking shredded, mate. Thanks. Um, so I basically eat rice. So my carb meals are rice and sweet potato. For fats, I have olive oil and coconut oil, and then for protein, I have um, ethical eggs or uh, pea protein and that you're vegetarian vegan yeah i'm, I'm vegan plus yeah. eggs so yeah. or vegetarian minus yeah. dairy and honey um and then what else do i have i have i have supplements so wait wait you, you combine all those things per meal or you in separate meals it, it's it depends on the day so yeah. like on a training day i'll have more carbs um but essentially those are i have some carbs oil uh, fats and protein in every meal so you sort of do a bit of macro division type of thing yeah and so everything's weighted and and um you know my trainer says okay cool so right now it was a big training day so i had uh, 3700 calories and everything's kind of weighed out and i know exactly what i'm doing and then on top of that i'll have grains so i have like spinach and broccoli as my main source of grains and then just supplements um like multivitamins zinc vitamin b um that's it, yeah. And I've been doing that for uh, maybe a year. Just and, this... uh, coffee or no coffee? No coffee. No coffee. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to go no caffeine. Um, for me, it's one of those things where people are like, oh, I feel amazing on it. And I'm like, cool, drink it. Like for me, I don't think I feel amazing on caffeine, yeah. so I prefer to not um, have it. I basically don't do alcohol. I'm like a. I'm. I'm a bad with moderation type of guy, so. I prefer to be no alcohol most yeah. of the time and then just go overboard some of the time. Yeah, that's why I locked up all the whiskey when I saw you come in. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's me. You know, I'd prefer to just have a big night out and celebrate something at one point and then just be strict um, the other time because I, I know that I'm not a moderation type of guy. I'm, a, I'm an extreme guy. And yeah. So you've got some um, exciting challenges coming up next. Are you pumped for the, the, the sleep one you flagged earlier? Yeah. So the sleep one is something that I've been looking forward to for ages. So all the science says, and anyone that talks about sleep and knows about it says that if you optimize sleep, it's going to be better for, you know, your health, your energy, your physicality, weight loss, muscle gain, memory, avoid diseases. It does everything. Probably relationships as well. Relationships. It's just like the miracle drug yeah. that, that you're doing it every day, but not optimizing. And so on top of that, I bought um, the best sleep tracking device on the market, an Aura Ring. And then I've contacted a few companies. So I've got like a weighted blanket from Neptune. I've got this, um, this thing called a Juve light, which is an infrared light. That's oh, my yes. to- I've heard of this. Yeah. So I'm going to try to infrared, uh, infrared therapy. I've got a weighted sleeping mask. I've got a uh, different mushroom tea. I've got, um, 
I want to get this device that cools down your bed to a certain temperature oh, as well. Yeah, I've heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be wearing the um, the blue light blockers during the day? I probably won't. It, the it swan is your yeah. outfit patterns for the two days. What's that? It might not match the outfit patterns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but maybe I will. Yeah, I already use like um, the the filters on. Yeah, 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 exactly. But basically, I want to take. I'm, I'm going to read uh, Matthew Walker's Walker's book, um, uh, Why We Sleep, or something. Or, yep. Yeah, I have heard of that. I think I heard him on a podcast once. Yeah, he was on Joe Rogan. Yeah, he just knows everything about sleep. Yeah, but basically, I want to get a baseline for my sleep quality and then I want to introduce new products and then talk about how that influences my sleep and then also look at just from a you know how I'm feeling level but I want to just do everything I want to have a sleep routine I want to do meditation I want to do cold showers I just want to see like all if I want to take every piece of advice that exists about sleep and throw them onto me how does that influence me and how does that make me feel during the days and then I'll make a video about it and hopefully that's interesting content. I can't wait to watch it. I think I think sleep, as I was saying to you before we started, I think sleep has overtaken exercise routine as like something people like to talk about obsessively. Yeah, totally. You know, it's not it's not anymore like oh, you're doing high intensity training. It's like um, how much REM did you get last night? Yeah. So you know, I can just imagine that totally. being a conversation. Um, so what's next for you? I mean, you've got a pretty full plate at the minute. Um, are you working on anything else? You want to talk about Slingshot Academy? Yeah. So the new business that I'm launching. Um, so obviously, you still want to grow megaphones. Still trying to grow the YouTube channel. Um, but I've just launched something called Slingshot Academy, which I'm really excited about. And the vision essentially of that business was I didn't love university. And I know a lot of other people that had a similar experience where they said they kind of went to university because they were meant to, but they didn't feel like they learned anything that was of value or worth the time that they dedicated there. And so, but I just don't, I didn't see an alternative, you know, at, at that age, I just, I didn't see another path. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to create this entrepreneurial academy that's run by young, successful entrepreneurs, you know, all under 40 or running seven figure businesses. Um, and it's not just for those kids going into university. It's also for the guys that get to the corporate world and go, Oh my God, this isn't for me. Um, what do I do with my life? And they want a transition process into entrepreneurship. They want some handholding. They want to learn from people that have done it before. So that's kind of the the great vision. I'd, I'd love to turn that into something big and, and meaningful and impactful. But um, right now we're just starting with some small workshops um, and we'll take it from there and hopefully we get some good feedback and early signs saying people are pretty excited about what we're doing. So that's something that I'm excited about. Um and then, do you want to talk a bit about? Um, I mean, we, we talked uh, at the Humans and Purpose drinks the other night a bit about the stuff the megaphone's doing, you know, to create social impact and be a responsible business. Yeah, totally. So, you know, megaphone's a really young team, and you know, we're a culture first company, and we're consciously thinking about how we can do more than just do marketing campaigns and help businesses make money. And so, something that excites us, we've got a, a young, very ethical focused team. And so we do a non-for-profit program where we take non-for-profits and give them free marketing or discounted marketing if we've got too many at the same time. And uh, it's been really cool. So we've got to work with, um, we're currently working with the Royal Flying Doctors Service and we've worked with Edgar's Mission and we've worked with the Smith family and we worked with Crepes for Change, Dan Paul. Ah, great guy. Yeah, great guy. And yeah, it was, you know, for Dan, I, um, you know, that was one of the first ones that we did. And it was really cool to see a meaningful change in that business. And it was something that our team is really passionate about. And, you know, we can go all these skills that we're learning, that we're helping companies build money. We're actually also helping not-for-profits create more impact. And it's it's a fun way to leverage our skill set for... And you're for- finding because of the profile of your team being sort of ethically minded, younger um, people, millennials and Gen Z, um when they would do that work and the fact that you're bringing in some not-for-profit clients that you're doing pro bono, is, does that excite them? Does that get them sort of jacked up? Massively, massively. You know, I think people say you know, there's a lot of things that drive employment and engagement. You know, I think they want to be growing individually. Money is obviously a factor, but it's not one of the major factors. I really think the major factor for this generation is working with a purpose, working for something where they care about the impact that they're creating and, it's hard to really come up with that story when we're a marketing agency. Yes, we're helping businesses achieve and yes, we're getting to do all this cool technical stuff, but to leverage all of that and to have some amazing success stories for companies that are purely about impact. It's, I think that's a great feeling for the entire team. And, you know, it helps us attract better staff, retain better staff. And 
I think that's a yeah, really cool thing that a lot of businesses could take advantage of and you know everyone wins in that exchange. It's awesome that you're doing that. Now, are you reading anything at the moment that you want to recommend or uh, you know <laughs> other things you're consuming, podcasts, other content? So I'm like, <laughs> I've got like a reading challenge this year, which was to read 24 books. Yep. Um, but I've already read eight this year. I just like smashed out a ton of Slow books. Slow down. Yeah. I just, I got obsessed with a few books and then, um, but yeah, uh, you know, one of the books that comes to mind, I'm looking at your bookshelf right now is <laughs> why Buddhism is true. Yep. So I have like general themes for my year. And one of my themes for the year is, is around spirituality, meditation, tapping into like more of an, the emotional side of me and less kind of business corporate, uh, and success driven, but more kind of, uh, connecting and empathetic and, uh, emotionally aware and things like that. And I think Buddhism is a really interesting practice and, and ideas around, you know, meditation and human connection yeah. and, and things like that. I went on a little meditation retreat. Um, did you, where, where did you go? Uh, about a month ago. And how did you, was it a 10 day Vipassana kind of situation? Nah, Just a little uh, weekend? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm scared about it. Hard for you to take that long. Exactly. And I'm scared about losing my gym progress, taking 10 days. That's like, it sounds ridiculous, but I've worked so hard for every gram on my body. First world problems. Probably. Yeah. But why Buddhism is true, I thought was a really good introduction into a lot of these different concepts. So I really like that one. Um, I mean, I've got my favorite books of all times. Um, the books that really were inspirational to me were um, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon, mm-hmm. who was like this amazingly successful psychologist. And he wrote... He basically summarizes in my mind like a really simple roadmap on how to live. And if you follow these principles, like it's it's inevitable that you won't be happy and successful. The, the six pillars is about integrity and self-awareness and, self, and being assertive. They're simple things, but he gives you so many ways on how you might not necessarily be living true to them. And so you can reflect in a, in a new way by reading the book to figure out where you're misaligned. And then by being in alignment, you can just be happier and su- more successful. So I love that book. Um, I'm a big fan of Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Oh, yeah. Have you read it? I tried once. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I should try again. It's a long book. and yeah. um, I think I tried The Fountainhead. Maybe that was the one I tried. Yeah, I love The Fountainhead too. Yeah. Um, I mean, The Fountainhead is a beautiful book about integrity. Like it's about the differences between people that aren't acting in integrity and, and, and what that really kind of can create in a life. But Atlas Shrugged goes further than that and talks about um, politics and philosophy and although I don't agree with absolutely everything, there was a lot of really core foundational elements about like how to create change in society. Yeah. And um, a lot of people, when they think about change, they think about, um, I don't know, maybe things that, that, that are exciting to them, which might be like volunteering and charity and, and, you know, all of these amazing things. But through reading that book and really thinking about what excites me individually, um, I, I have to be excited by something big. And, you know, the little things, although you get to be there and get to really experience it, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be more excited to fail, but trying to do something massive, like changing education or, you know, trying to change like this whole thing. So, uh, you know, it really kind of helped me think about how change cre- is created in, in the world. And yeah, so that was a big book for me. Awesome. So where can people uh, learn more about your work and connect with you? So number one place would probably be YouTube, just type in Max Herden. Or Instagram, I'd say, which is just at Max Herden. And if you've got any questions for me, DM me and I'll give you a video response back. Awesome. And do you want to um, give an email or you don't want to be inundated? Better, better to see nah. Max at Max Herden. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Took the leap of faith. Huge. Yeah. All right. We'll get on to Max. And if you're a not for profit, uh, they're doing some great deals at the moment for you at Megaphone. And- totally. Please reach out. Like, Definitely. If you're a non-for-profit and, and you'd like some help with your digital, we'd love to hear from you. We're excited to see your future challenges and we're also really excited to hear about what's happening with Slingshot Academy. Well, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Awesome, mate. Thanks for coming on. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player. Why not share the podcast with a friend? You could also leave us a five-star review in your podcast player. You may also want to join us for one of our regular live podcasts or to become a show sponsor. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com.au and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook.